0: Everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the editor-in-chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined today by Dee Hogan and Peter Phobian. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, yeah, I'm Dee, I'm the managing editor over at Anime Feminist. Uh, I also run the anime blog The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door.
2: And I'm Peter Phobian, I'm an associate's features editor at Crunchyroll, and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist.
0: Today we're looking at the mid-season check-in for the winter 2018 season. Um, At the beginning of the season we review every premiere that's eligible, we have a premiere digest which we'll link to in the show notes for this, and we categorise them depending on how feminist relevant or feminist friendly these shows are. So we're going to go through those categories today and just see which ones we're keeping up with, what our opinions of them are at the moment and what our recommendations are to watch or to avoid, like the plague. Um, Speaking of which, let's get stuck in at the deep end. We have the lowest categories on the list, the least uh, likely to be recommended. Anime was a mistake. Uh, The duo's work is never done. Either of you watching that? Oh, no. No. I couldn't even get through the first episode, so no. I actually made it through the first episode, but I wasn't super tempted to continue. So I'm I'm quite happy not prioritizing that one. Pit of Shame category, Killing Bites. Watching that? No. Anyone?
2: Mm. Peter? It didn't yeah. capture my my interest.
0: <laughs> that's very diplomatic. Okay. Red Flags category, Death March to the Parallel World Rhapsody, which I understand uh, is doing very well. Of course it is. Pretty, it's an isekai fan- light novel series.
2: Yep. <laughs> Fantasy video game isekai. I actually watched uh, everything that's available yesterday.
0: And anything our listeners should know about?
2: Um, l- lots of, uh, like, I guess, slavery apologia. Uh, okay, I think the we guy kind of has there. this a- yeah, <laughs> internal monologue. It's like, well, so long as they're happy, then is slavery wrong? That kind of thing.
0: Ooh. Right, so not even just red flags anymore, that could probably be relegated down into Pit of Shame, or possibly anime was a mistake We'll come back to that Yeah, We <laughs> um,
1: we had heard that was going to happen, and when we were ranking them, we thought about putting Death March in the Pit of Shame, but we were like, okay, just based on the first episode, we exactly. will just put it under red flags, um, but yeah we, happens, we had heard that was coming So
0: That happens a lot with our categories is that we, we do hear of what's to come, especially stuff that's based on a manga it's based on a light novel, but we absolutely can't judge on anything but the first Episode or yeah. whatever's been aired at that time. Yeah.
1: Well, partly because so, you don't know what the anime is going to do. Um, exactly. You yeah. know, they may they may decide to make um, some changes. Sounds like they did not hear. So
2: more bad <laughs> things. So, yeah. Into
1: the pit. Into the pit. Death March goes.
0: And the final red flag series is one we do have to talk about, which mm. is after the rain. Yeah. I guess we do <laughs> have to Are talk about
1: it, this? don't we? I, I know Peter's not. I am one episode behind, but yeah, okay. I have been following it, um, not so much out of personal enjoyment, but more kind of intellectual curiosity,
0: I guess. Um, it's very popular. It in really is. The, the kinds of circles we're in, the kind of anime critic discussion circles, yeah. its it's got a lot of discussion about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it <laughs> does. <laughs> Sorry. Are you... I mean, how are you finding, because the, the big red flag of that is this high school girl, she's in love with her middle-aged manager, and she is, from our perspective, she's not the viewpoint character, so it, we actually, the show actually does try to put you into the manager's head, Mr. Kondo, mm-hmm. and the girl, Akira, she is, we we watch her a lot, we, we look at her, we see her, we don't get inside her head, we don't hear her thoughts, we see through her eyes sometimes and she has a tendency to rose tint her boss and his life which is sweet and to be expected um but she herself is presented as this this almost ethereal figure and that has uh, that has felt a bit uncomfortable to us i know we've talked internally how do you feel about that at this point in the series i know you said you're one episode behind
1: uh no that's still about where i am um I'm, I'm getting to the point where my uh sort of distaste for what the show is doing with the way it presents and frames Akira and Kondo is kind of overriding the, the sort of, again, that kind of curiosity interest I had in it. Um, the more I see the puppet strings, the less, the less enjoyment I can get out of it. Um, so, I mean, I've, I'm working on a piece on it, which will probably get published in the next few weeks. Um, so I could talk about it like a lot, but I don't want to take up too much time on a red flag show.
0: (laughs) I feel kind of the same way, except I've had the opposite trajectory to you. The more I watch, the more I actually do get into it and enjoy it. Um, I think because the way I see it is that it started off being presented as Akira's story. It's a, a story about a young girl. And so it felt jarring to be put in Kondo's mindset so much. But actually six weeks in it feels much more like his show and akita is kind of a separate character we we look at and if i look at it from that perspective i like it a lot more and it just kind of feels like they've set it up as as looking like it's her story in order to not be a woody allen show effectively doesn't Um, that just
2: make it a manic pixie dream girl show though
0: I'm not sure I call her a manic Pixie dream girl. I don't think she's quirky enough for that. she I think she is a relatable character in some ways. I think she the way she goes about her crush, she's more determined than I think I was at that age. Like she's really clear with him and she expresses her feelings and she makes sure that he understands. But she doesn't do anything that's like super quirky or any of those kind of hallmarks of the manic Pixie dream girl. just plain dream girl, though, because this beautiful high schooler is so into him and she's so expressive about her affection. And she, in one very uncomfortable moment, it turns out she's really motherly and she's a good cook and she goes to his home and she cooks for a son. And it's, that that felt kind of uncomfortable. But on the other hand, the episode D hasn't seen yet, has some interactions between them that are much more kind of down to earth. And like, they take that romantic element out entirely from his side, at least. And in many ways, he's kind of, he. He doesn't do anything that I get frustrated with. He does sometimes, but for the most part, he's just been kind of pulled into her fantasy and he doesn't really want to be there. He's enjoying the way it makes him feel, but he's also conscious that there's kind of no good way for it to end. So I I think there's stuff to like, but I think it belongs in the red flag category.
2: I do have one question while we're on it. Uh, I've seen like two screenshots. One, or like it was a short clip that looked like she was hiding in his closet or something. And then another yep. one that looked like it was his office through a keyhole. Does she like stalk him or something?
0: She goes to his house. Um, she Basically, she takes her son home. She goes to his house and he says, hey, I've got a great idea. Wouldn't it be funny if you hid in the closet when daddy comes home? And she hides. Hmm. And then the little boy forgets to call her out. So she just ends up sat there and looking through the keyhole into his office, which is, yeah, it's it's not creepy, but it's also, it crossed a line for me. It felt a little bit, implausible and this was after the whole she cooks him his son a meal thing and it all just felt a bit a bit uncomfortable. It felt really cringeworthy for me when she goes to his house and he's left like his socks on the floor and stuff and I felt really bad for him. So again if I can accept it as a condo viewpoint show I'm quite okay with it in many ways. That makes but... it so much worse to me
1: <laughs> because if it's a condo viewpoint show and it's about a high school girl who's like throwing herself at him that it just it reads like a predator's fantasy and the more it shifts in that direction the creepier and grosser it gets for me
0: and i can't really argue with that i'm I'm personally enjoying it more and getting more out of it once i've reframed it that way but yeah it's it is uncomfortable and it your mileage is going to vary on this one i think it's important for people to know but it is absolutely beautiful there is likable stuff about it if you think you can stomach what Dee's mentioned then by all means give it a go um but this isn't this isn't going to be making any of our feminist recommendation lists I think at any point okay we should move on to the next category um yellow flags so Dee what was your criteria for this category um yellow hmm
1: it's a it's a gut feeling no uh yellow flags are <laughs> yellow flags are shows where there are definitely some uh, elements that we think could um, are kind of like uh feminist relevant kind of warning signs that could put people off um, that could very quickly like fall down a bad hole um, depending on how they play them but they were either minor enough or exercised with enough restraint that they didn't feel like large blaring warning signs to us It was more like if fan service is a complete thing that you don't want in any of your shows then that might be in a yellow flag even if the fan service is fairly minor does that make sense
0: yeah yeah absolutely okay i'm gonna go through the ones i don't think people have seen so have you seen beatless i mean I, i've seen the first episode of everything on this list but nothing past okay, that okay let's let's say up to up to where we are in the season sure beatless no Nope. cock cocky. uh
1: i got through three episodes i talked about it somewhat angrily in our three uh
0: three episode check-in so i'll direct people to that um i'm not watching it <laughs> anymore. Okay, the, I don't know, I don't know how this is pronounced, the Merkin, Merkin, I'm sorry guys, butchered pronunciation. When it's a Japanese title, I can do it, but this yeah. is not.
2: Marchin Merkin.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyone watching that?
2: Nope.
0: No,
1: Rai is, nope. but uh, I know I couldn't make the call, um, but they, they are keeping yes. up with it, so.
0: Okay, Ms. Kozumi loves ramen noodles. I am. Is it any better? Uh, <laughs> would you move it from the yellow flag to another category, I guess? So
2: uh, okay. I don't know. There's just, like, uh, probably not. There's, a, like, a lot of... <laughs> it's, the show basically seems to be about that short-haired girl stalking uh, Koizumi as she eats ramen. And hmm. they do a lot of... Whenever they're eating ramen, they get, like, a, a blush on their face and make a lot of, you know, appreciative... Food wars. Style. Yeah, noise. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, it's not... Uh, it hasn't really gotten more awful. Like, it hasn't, like, done, like, changing scenes or bathing scenes yet um, to, <laughs> to kind time. of, like, add fan service over what was... if Like, if you watch episode one, it's maintained exactly that quality. I think that's very representative of the rest of the series. <laughs> it's going to be this that's this <laughs> hopeless girl stalking Koizumi and a lot of really kind of uncomfortable eating scenes.
0: Nice. Yeah. Exactly what I want from an anime. Mm. Um, I'm not watching it. Slow uh, Slow Start. No. Nope. Anyone? Nope. Okay. Katana Maidens. I think, Peter, you said you have watched this.
2: I watched the first three episodes.
0: Oh, okay. You talked about it in the three-episode check-in? Um,
2: I don't think we covered that one since I was the only one. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> right. I don't think that uh, no fan service really comes to mind um, that I can think of. And That's interesting,
0: because our episode one summary line is battle maiden series that goes through the fanservice emotions with far less bite and discomfort than usual. Hmm. So do you mean it's not reading as, as you would expect fanservice well, to, I, I or I
2: don't recall any... I mean, it seems like one of those shows that would probably kind of do that, but it. I, I remember there were a couple scenes where like, they were trying to disguise themselves, so they changed clothes, and uh, it just kind of cut away during that. Um, okay. Uh, and, yeah, so... I was actually somewhat surprised with the first episode. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but it kind of, um, yeah, I can't really think of it, anything super it bad to say. It yellow flag. <laughs> if you liked it the first episode, then you'll also like the rest of it probably. I think uh, the way it frames them is maybe a little um, kind of like, hey, aren't these girls cute? But I don't think yet it is the same thing with Koizumi. It hasn't like done like the the changing scenes where the camera's in all the wrong places or a bathing right. scene with the same situation, so. Okay, yeah.
0: so if Battle Maiden series are your thing, then maybe check it out. See if it's your your tolerance level.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens. Dee, are you watching this? Um, I was.
1: I got, I finished episode four. I started, which was basically the end of the first light novel. So it kind of wraps up okay. that, that first story arc. I started episode five and kind of realized, like, no, I'm happy with the way that first arc ended, and I didn't really have any burning desire to keep <laughs> hanging out with these characters. I've heard some pretty good things about the light novels in terms of, um, like, explicit queer representation, which is cool. Um, so I might go back to it just to kind of keep an eye on that. Um, but I, I kind of fell behind, and I, I, I'm not fully caught up right now.
0: Okay. PC, you watching that
2: one? Yeah, I'm uh, one episode behind right now. So I guess that means I, ha- I have watched five, but not six. Um, I think it definitely, uh, well, I guess they technically didn't kill that woman, but the, like, the one, like, female hit woman in the show definitely did get, like, just kind of, uh, taken out of the equation very early on. So I think that leaves the only actual female character on the cast is a, like, eight-year-old girl who works with the professional torturer guy. Oh, Uh, yeah. Okay. She like made his website and everything. And I it's, it's weird that, <laughs> I, yeah. that
1: part was fun. She put, He didn't, he wanted to advertise, so she made a website for him.
2: Yeah. So there, there's these weird, they're professional revenge getters. So like if somebody does something to you, they do exactly that thing to them. Uh, and it's this really big, bald guy. Uh, this, uh, I, I think he's.
1: He's a, he's a, um, he's a Latinx like immigrant, I guess.
2: Oh, he, he is? Okay. Martinez, um, yeah. His yeah. name. That's cool. Um yeah, then the bar owner is is definitely uh gay coded. Uh I think he's actually when I read a character description it said that he was gay. Um mm-hmm. and then I guess they both take care of this girl together who's like I don't know how yet she's pretty young. Um and like in one in that same scene he's talking about how he has to make a princess costume for her for a play that she's gonna be in at school <laughs> uh, while she's at this <laughs> laptop writing up uh like the Description for their various torturing services. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, I mean, like it's kind of funny in that regard. Uh, I'm but kind. She of,
0: is the only female character left.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, and, and uh, right. the show is definitely. I think the last episode made it pretty clear that it's shipping. Uh, Lin and um, Bamba, uh, the main detective well guy, and uh, Lin is a um Chinese, uh, assassin who cross dresses as a female. Um, okay. And Banba is, like, a professional investigator slash hitman. So, um, yeah, it definitely puts them in situations which are supposed to be, like, quirky and romantic.
0: Okay.
2: So, like, yeah, I, I can't say it's been treating women too well. I think it's murdered like six or seven of them at this point to show. Oh, great. Uh, the yeah, bad. no, it, it, yeah. it
1: definitely does that. It definitely does that. The the killer in the first arc was like a psychopath who was buying women and then murdering them.
0: Like, that was his thing.
1: Oh, um,
2: yeah. wow. He was the, the mayor's son or something. How
0: did, talk about burying the lead. How did that not come up within the first thing that you both said? Well, we, I think <laughs> we talked, talked
2: about, about that the during three the three episodes. Episode.
1: Yeah, it was a oh, three okay. episode checking yeah. a lot, so we didn't feel like we necessarily needed to go straight into it here. Um, the thing is, yeah, the thing enough. about it, which we mentioned in the three episode too, is it's it is it is it's it sucks. Obviously, like it's kind of an old trope, but the show is very focused on tracking down the killer and finding him and bringing him to justice. It's not like a bunch of torture porn or murder porn. Like you don't see the women okay. suffering; you just know they're dying um okay so it's again it's a yellow flag but it's handled with enough um restraint that that unless that's just like a straight-up deal breaker for you i don't think it's going to be
0: like a huge issue okay yeah now, speaking of restraint let mm-hmm. me segue to a show that has precisely none of it darling in the franks uh-huh. uh <laughs> now this has been perhaps the most talked about show of the season uh, yeah. i think in, in again in our little circle of the internet a lot of people like it a lot of people talk positively about it and it has also had its fair share of criticism and i have continued to be kind of disappointed i had a moment in episode 4 i think it was i think yeah it was episode 4 where it it kind of lost me it lost it lost it i'd lost any faith that it would subvert these very heteronormative gender roles that it had put up um and so i've been watching it since because there are still things i enjoy i think zero two is an amazing character but there's a moment in episode four where it just completely removes her well it removes her actually from the picture and we're completely focused on on bland protagonist hero so i yeah i have i'm continuing to watch it i've I enjoyed episode five a great deal I haven't seen six yet but Peter you have and you said it improves it slightly
2: uh, yeah I think the thing you disliked in four uh, the way it framed him as l- like her as being a uh, object by which he could get his wings or whatever yeah. Uh, yeah. it basically said that was it <laughs> which
0: a... is something he actually says yeah. yes
2: uh, <laughs> it, it basically showed you that that is exactly the thing that he should not have been thinking the entire time
0: Ah, uh, okay yeah so we'll keep it vague, yeah. but it's not if you if you get to episode four and you lost faith <laughs> that it was gonna do anything subversive, that's probably still true. I don't know if we've seen any evidence yet that it's gonna subvert. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's being loss. like
2: super uh creative or anything, but I do think it's <laughs> definitely uh established that Zero Two is also a character, not an object. And him and thinking about it a is really great was a mistake.
0: Zero two is probably the best thing about the show, I think. Um, and it is it is a beautiful show. Um. so I'm I'm continuing to watch it but that was really upsetting for me not upsetting that makes it sound very dramatic but I I thought because it is so on the nose every time it is so on the nose with this whole piloting is sex and these teenagers are actually talking about sex and then it doesn't do anything with that yep. So it just seems like titillation for no purpose. I mean, it's apparently a 24 episode series, so we may get some subversion at some point. But if they wanted to do anything with it, if they wanted to really weave it in thematically, they've missed their chance to do that, basically. So from now on, it's going to it's going to feel like a twist or some kind of cheap device rather than something that's actually narratively interesting. Mm -hmm. So if you are watching that one, I get it. I'm watching it, too. (laughs) Don't expect too much of it, I think would be my advice. Okay, yep. <laughs> nothing to add to that. All right, let's move on to the next category, Harmless Fun, which I think is self-explanatory. I am watching a couple of these. Dee, this is a category I know you've seen a few of. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm so uh, just kind of talking about the ones that I've seen that I don't think anybody else on the team is watching. Um, Haku Me Me Kochi is very nice. Um, I'm a couple episodes behind, but I haven't officially dropped it. I just haven't gotten back to it. Um, it doesn't really, I pretty much everything I said in the three episode check-in still holds. So I would say, go, go read that little blurb. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I would have no, no qualms about recommending it to other people. Um, I think if you have kids, it might be a nice one to watch with them, um, because it's got, it's very much got kind of a storybook feel to it. Um, tons of female characters with like lots of different kinds of jobs and interests. Um, there's like a scientist and a cafe owner and some singers and the, one of the main characters is a mechanic. So it's, it's nice. It's a very nice little, um. family-friendly uh fairy tale type show
0: i really like it when we can recommend stuff that people can watch with their kids because that is an email that we get every now and again from somebody saying thank you for your reviews they actually make it possible for me to share this thing i love with my daughter and so i always think that's really that's really nice when we can do that so we'll have to highlight that in the uh end of season discussions as well yeah for sure um and then Um, you're also watching yeah
1: yeah i'm also watching how to keep a mummy peter Peter, are you keeping (laughs) up with that one too or no
2: I haven't even watched the first episode.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so here's the thing about how to keep a mummy. I have almost nothing to say about it, but it's super cute and nice, and it makes me happy every week, and that's pretty much where it is. Um, There's a lot of adorable animals being adorable. And it's kind of like pets, right? Yeah, it's kind of like pets, but then in the most recent episode, um, they've been learning how to write, and they're writing little simplistic messages to their uh, owners. (laughs) So now they're kind of like kids. It's... They're they're monsters. So it's kind of like in that middle ground between having like a young child and having a pet. It's very cute. It's adorable. Um, again, it's one of those where there's one kind of weird thing where the the aunt who's sort of looking after the main boy uh, apparently when she puts on glasses she becomes kind of like a dominatrix type, um,
0: oh, which that is that totally happens as a glasses wearer. I can confirm. Um,
1: oh yeah, no, totally. Um, it happens exactly <laughs> once for like, it's like two minutes of one episode, but it's super uncomfortable. Uh, otherwise, the okay. show has been really nice and sweet. And I, again, have um, at it.
0: Okay. Are you watching Idolish 7? No, I'm not. Peter, are you watching that one?
2: Nope.
0: Nope, me neither. Um, hmm. Maybe, maybe I should watch a few more of these. I always skip idol shows starring male characters or female characters. So idol shows. kind of rethinking this Idol shows in general it's <laughs> just, Regardless it's just never it, it, it never leaves me wanting to watch them But actually a huge amount of people Do watch them and love them Yeah mm-hmm. So I've i I've started reflecting on this a little and I think maybe I need to watch a few more and try and understand that a bit better. It's not a genre so. I'm
1: able to get into. Um, I can yeah, do so music I can yeah. do music shows sometimes, like um I enjoyed Show by Rock. Classical. Yeah. Well, Classical Oid's <laughs> a little different. Classical-oid's like, I don't know, a magical girl music
0: show. Um Classical Oid's a little different is <laughs> understatement. Yeah.
1: Um no, I'm thinking more of that stuff like Show by Rock, which is about like these bands yeah. like and then they fight and stuff um and I got into yeah, that one but that. for the most part I have a hard time with just kind of straight realistic um music shows or idol shows so um yeah I'm yeah. not I'm not watching that one which again not to say there's anything like wrong with the genre just it's not something I've ever been able
0: to get into I know that this is this is something that one of my friends is watching and really loves and highly recommends it so um I'm, I might dive back into that one and see if I can have something to say about it by the end of the season because it Again, there's so many people who love these shows, and I never watch them. And I'm starting to sort of question whether that's a, bit a, a gap in my own viewing yeah. um, education, I guess. Um, from that to something completely different, Junji Ito. Either of you watching that? No.
2: Yep. How's
0: it, has it progressed?
2: Uh, I mean, I think we have a, a basic disagreement in our level of enjoyment of the series to begin with. Uh, I <laughs> I liked pretty much the whole thing. Uh, yeah. I, I think that every episode uh i I don't know if i want to say that anymore but i think every episode has sort of built on the last one like they're becoming more comfortable doing horror stories um because i think some like around three or four it started getting actually like really good um also it's adapted some of my favorite stories so i'm happy with that um it is doing a weird thing where it like leaves off some of the stories in different places than the manga uh, maybe to encourage you to go find the short story collections or something um, which I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I think generally they find kind of a mysterious point to leave things off on that leaves you curious about where the story goes. Yeah, so I like it. I've seen there's been a little bit of Sakaga recently, like uh, Creepy Fingers.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw the gif of that. It looked great. Yeah, but... Uh, but I think that's, that's the kind of thing I really wanted out of this show is those kinds of visuals. And the first episode's uh, doll funeral or whatever it was called... That was great, but it was mostly a still image. Yeah, well, so. I mean, Ito's
2: known for the kind of, like, the big panel reveal of yes. the horrific yeah. thing. Uh, so I think that that's what they're trying to do. Um, but, yeah, making it static as well, um, depending. I think a lot of the shots are somewhat static, but they could be doing more.
0: Have they done a, a Tomie episode?
2: No, they went back to Soichi, though, for some reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, for those for those unfamiliar with Tomie, she's a schoolgirl who seduces people and they die. So <laughs> that is something we'll probably want to talk about when it happens. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been kind of keeping an eye out for that, and I hadn't seen any gifts or anything. So I mean, I'll, I'll come back to that. I mean, I'm not I'm not great at keeping up with uh, these kind of episodic shows that don't rely on a cumulative story anyway. So. Mm. Through no fault of its own, I think.
2: And and like as part of the style, there are a lot of like women who get killed or victimized. uh, But yeah,
0: Rai was talking about this about Ito in general is not super feminist friendly, um, but not outright misogynist. But maybe that's a maybe that's a conversation we need to have. Maybe that's a separate podcast entirely because I know Ito's body of work is actually huge.
2: Yeah. I can say um, some of the stories have female main characters, some of them don't. Uh, I think generally you do see more weird stuff happen to girls because he loves the contrast between, like, beauty and horror. So um, yeah. you'll definitely see a lot of that if you watch the show, which is probably my one, like, warning about it.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, moving on, Karakai Jones no Takagi-san. Takagi-san. No, I haven't seen I don't seen... know why this title wasn't romanized. I wasn't, yeah, sorry, I thought that was an, an odd either. choice, too. Takaki san is good at teasing, I think is the the kind of translation there. Yeah. I tried to watch the first episode and couldn't really get into it. It felt like a lot of vignettes, which isn't really a style that works for me. Neither of you is watching it.
1: I watched no, I watched the premiere. That was it, so <laughs>
0: That's it, yeah.
1: Mitsubishi Colors. Uh again I watched the premiere. I kinda thought about coming back to it, but um, it was another one that very much, it felt like it was geared maybe for a younger audience in kind of a saucy way. Like the kids are, are kind of bratty, but um, sort of mm-hmm. enjoyably so. But it's very much about like three, eight, three like eight-year-olds screwing around together. So wasn't quite okay. enough for me to come back to
0: it. That's fair. Peter, you're not watching that one?
2: Nope.
0: Okay. Um, Pop Team Epic. <laughs> am I the only one, <laughs> am I the only I one think, watching this? I
2: think so.
1: Yeah, I'm not keeping up with it.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Um... Nothing to add.
2: I think once <laughs> no you,
1: Once It continues no to comment, be pop team
0: epic. I would assume it continues to be pop team epic, and it's it's interesting, but it's not any more interesting than it was one episode in or three episodes in. It is exactly what it tells you it is, and if you liked it, then continue watching it. If you didn't like it, it's not going to get any better for you. Okay, school babysitters. This is one that we do have to talk about. Yeah, but I don't know if either of you is watching that one.
1: I watched the first two episodes and then I dropped it. um, And I've heard enough about, I've heard enough about other things that happened in it that have made me
0: have no desire to go back to it. So let's talk about that character who is an actual pedophile. Um, That's the worst part of this show as, and it's, it's such a tonally uh, inappropriate and inconsistent thing. It's every other element of the show is really sweet. It's, the, the main story, the main characters are actually recovering from grief, or the main character, I guess, is recovering from grief and kind of learning how to balance being a, a carer, essentially, for his younger brother, a carer is not quite the right word, a guardian for his younger brother, with at the same time being a teenager in a new school, and that's, it's a good story, and he's a good character, and actually when they do look at his grief, and he, he lost his parents quite recently, and he tries to kind of be upbeat about it, and not dwell on it but he does dwell on it because he's he's still a child and he's still at school and when they go into that it is always really affecting it's really well handled i like that they've not dropped it very often parents being killed before the first episode is a device just to get them out of the way so you can put this kid into a weird situation but they they make it clear that he's he's really missing his family he's really feeling the weight of responsibility on him and the children are, they, they're cute. they Kaylin's talked about how accurate they are in her experience as a preschool teacher. And I would concur. I have much younger brothers and sisters and it feels completely resonant with my experience there. But then you have this one character who is an actual pedophile and who is treated well by everyone except Inomata, who's the uh, student council president. And she calls him out on it and she's the only one. And it, that's very awkward. So yeah, it's... I think it's one of those things like if it's an absolute deal breaker for you then do not watch it because it doesn't shy away from it and it does treat it as comedy that he gets a nosebleed when he sees these kids but if you can stomach it in the small doses that it exists and yeah no and I completely get that um he's shown up in two episodes so far which is two episodes too many but he's not an every episode recurring character so it is possible to just kind of hold your nose for that he's kind of my equivalent of Mineta in My Hero Academia it's like if he's in small enough pockets I can deal with it when he starts becoming a bit more of a major character I can't I I don't enjoy the show anymore so he's this pedophile character has not yet crossed that line for me personally and I have to emphasize your mileage on this one will vary and for a lot of people it will be an instant deal breaker and I get that and it's a real shame because the rest of the show has a lot going for it so uh we should probably move on this it's a shame because school babysitters probably is now in the it's complicated category um there are no yellow flags yeah. in this one there are red flags but there are also green flags so um speaking of which citrus either mm-hmm. of you watching that yep no i
1: so i'm not great with i tend to prefer my romance as fluffy uh anyway so citrus was kind of going to be a tough sell right off the bat because it's kind of it's more in that sort of melodramatic category um, Absolutely, and then and then it was so heavy on assault. Now that's my other big. That's my one of my biggest deal breakers is uh, lack of consent. So I was done with. I was pretty done <laughs> with Citrus after the first episode.
0: Yeah, this. Yeah, it's it is not a show for you, and th- it's not a show for a lot of people actually. I think it's fair to say. Um, but I I feel about it the way I feel about school babysitters. Is that there are some things that are so off, and the the use of non consensual contact as a cheap plot device to kind of generate conflict between them or generate emotional response is, yeah, it's not it's not fun and it, it doesn't add to the story, but they do it every episode like clockwork and it's a problem. But in the most recent episode, they actually have Yuzu, the main character, who is an excellent character. She's so good. She's a really interesting and kind of defiant um. Kind of unconventional young woman and she is just really a kind of opinionated and independent and i i really like her yeah i liked Yuzu too in that actually, first episode yeah she's so great and she actually calls out may on some of her more manipulative the ma- more manipulative aspects of the way that she uses her sexuality and it's finally it's I don't mind at all you showing teenagers having problematic attitudes or approaches to sex. Scum's Wish was full of it, and I mm-hmm. loved Scum's Wish. Yeah. But the show doesn't address it, and in episode six, it finally starts to address it. So it's too early to say whether it's turned a corner mm-hmm. or whether it's just temporarily, like, thrown as a bone. But it's, it, it's slightly promising, and there are some people out there praising Citrus based on the manga, so maybe it's starting to go in more of that direction I don't know but I think it's worth it's worth checking in at the end of the season and seeing if we have anything to add about that because it is not the same show in episode 6 as it was in episode 1 or Mm 2 I think we were talking about how
2: if you took out the sexual assault it was actually kind of an interesting slow burn romance like if, if there wasn't any sort of initial kind of any of that going on it would have been her like suddenly having a stepsister and not knowing how to handle the relationship trying to be supportive and then I think yeah. in episode six was also when they had the, the first consensual kiss in the entire series. Yes. So that could have and just come out of nowhere. Like, yeah.
0: There's this whole moment where they're like, wait, this kiss is, yeah, that is different the others. What could it possibly be? Because <laughs> both of us actually like...
2: wanted to kiss. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Imagine that. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was ridiculous. But like that that could hopefully be a turning point where this turns into a real relationship between equals. Because uh. there is, I mean, there's some talk out there, I know, I know. <laughs> there's some talk out there about, um, some people object to the show because they don't like the fact that they're related. But they, that doesn't bother me personally because they aren't, they, it's not just that they aren't blood related, like they only met maybe like days before their first kiss or something like that. Yeah. So it's, it, it's very much like, Two strangers come together and it turns sexual, which is like the fact that they're they're related by marriage at that point is it's not a big problem for me. I can see how it would be for some people, but for me personally, it's not a big deal. It's the non consensual contact that's the big deal breaker and will absolutely put plenty of people off. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) The other one in this category is Devil Man Crybaby. We've done a whole podcast on that, so go check out that podcast episode on it moving into the next category then feminist potential let's look at first of all laid back camp oh we're going to start from the top yeah okay let's let's go to the ones that i think cuz laid back camp i think you're the only one watching it and violet evergarden i'm the only one watching it record of grand crest war i think we're all watching
1: oh so. peter is also it's watching laid back camp i know because yeah. his tweets get oh. get lots of shares <laughs> uh, that's true i shared a tweet of yours secret last week. secret society blanket man Secret Society Blanket. It's <laughs> yeah. laid back camp is wonderful. I love yeah. it. It, it's not my very favorite show of the season, nor is it the show that I would say is the best show of the season, but it might be the one I look forward to the most each week. Oh, um, really? yeah, mm-hmm. it is, it is a weekly dose of just relaxing fun. It's, it is the perfect cute. It's a cute girl show. I'm putting cute girl kind of in quotes because it's basically the perfect cute girl show. It's these four or five girls uh having fun goofing around together going on camping trips and they're not fetishized or infantilized they're just they're just cute high schoolers having fun and it's
0: really really enjoyable see that was what put me off was that it it came across like cute girls do cute things and that they i kind of got the impression that they would be infantilized um but that's really reassuring. And I know I know you guys have been into it, but, you know, I don't always like the same things as yeah. as everyone else in Anifem. So I wasn't quite sure. But actually, if six episodes in, you're singing its praises that highly, I should probably check it out.
1: I love it. Their their interactions remind me. I mean, obviously, it's it's a comedy. So it's not like we'll talk about this later. A Place further Than the Universe, to me, is like a very I realistic. It's very realistic high school girls. Laidback Camp yeah. is comedy high school girls so I mean you know it's not it's not like a perfect experience of high school or anything like that um but the way they goof around together very much reminds me of like my friends and I like just wasting time and hanging out and like somehow somebody got wrapped in a box and now we're gonna put uh stamps on it and like pretend we're gonna mail them <laughs> like just goofy stuff like that you know um they that might be a step
0: too far for me I don't know but they it sounds cute. they
1: rib each other um like and it's lo- I've I've it's This is something I hadn't really noticed in anime until suddenly I didn't notice it in Laidback Camp, is a lot of the time when you have characters kind of giving each other crap, it's usually like one person kind of getting picked on by the others, and then they're like, you know, and that's that's like the relationship. And in Laidback Camp, the characters, it, there's a really good back and forth. Like everyone's kind of in on the joke, and it very much has that feel of like friends kind of teasing each other, but everybody knows that they're just goofing around. Um, it's really yeah. nice. I like it a lot.
2: Also, you can't really insult Nadeshko because she just rolls with it. Like that when she's talking about true. Mount Fuji too much, Chiaki says, I'm just going to call you Fujiko. And she goes, dang, okay. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> want to say that. She's like, that sounds but, great. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that sounds nice. Uh, I mean, if you go with Fujiko, that's a pretty good name. Uh, if you're an anime fan, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it actually did kind of the opposite because it almost immediately portrayed uh, from the infantilization aspect because it almost immediately portrayed um, Rin, I think it is, as a mm-hmm. kind of a very self-sufficient individual uh, who, and that's commented on a lot because she's always going camping by herself uh, in the middle of nowhere. And she gets her driver's license super early, so she can get on a Vespa and go even further out in the middle of nowhere and continue camping by herself. Like, she makes plans, uh, itineraries. She keeps buying her own camping equipment. So you learn a lot about camping and, like, can actually see her being kind of this, I mean, kind of weird person, but also, like, uh, I don't know. She doesn't rely on anybody else, and she seems to enjoy camping on her own.
1: Yeah. Alex wrote a really nice article about that on her blog, The Aficionado, which we're going to share in the links post this week probably
2: yeah i think uh they've introduced a lot of good side characters now too like smooth grandpa and uh i i don't know if that drunk lady is going to become their teacher yeah yeah Uh, basically his thing is he looks like he's in a coffee commercial um and he's like cooking this huge steak on a cast iron pan next to his motorcycle in his tent and Chiaki comes across <laughs> him and he offers him to her. <laughs> and that was the entire scene. Yeah,
1: and, and she's was, like, What I a smooth <laughs> grandpa. And he, yeah, he, yeah. he he turns out he's kind of a recurring character and then yeah, they met they met a couple of campers this past week, which was like a brother and sister, and the sister just like goes out and gets trashed and that's how she camps.
0: And yeah. I was like, I can I um, can get behind yes, that. Yes, I saw I saw the uh, screenshots with her. Yeah.
2: I, <laughs> yeah.
0: I felt I felt a connection. <laughs>
2: So, uh, yeah, I, I think that the show has also prevented itself from being formulaic uh, while well, okay. not falling back on usual anime bad stuff. So, I think it's done, a, it's, it's really great.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. recommendation accepted. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check this one out. Um, I think I'm the only one watching Violet Evergarden because I'm the only one who has access to it. Uh, this is yeah. an,
2: an unusual feeling for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry Americans uh, enjoy it well we're in the anime um, backwater here in the USA <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah I can't feel too bad about this um, Violet Evergarden I am watching I haven't quite caught up um, but I need to talk I think about how it's changed so it's it, it has shifted now so it's not solely Violet's story she is her job now is to write letters expressing the feelings of others and it gives her a way to kind of connect with other people and we can tell their stories through her work and episode 5 had something that I think we're going to need to talk about at some point in a bit more detail but basically she writes the love letters between a 14 year old girl and her 24 year old betrothed ugh. Um, Neat. Yeah. so that's uh, that's a bit uncomfortable because it is a love story and it's told as a love story is it so ugh. it begins... It begins kind of being shown as a political situation Mm -hmm. and that the 14-year-old is deeply unhappy about it, which I thought, yep, fair enough. You know, if 14-year-old girls did get married off for political reasons, this is probably how they'd react. But, you know, spoiler alert, guys, it turns out that she was in love with him the whole time and he um, is willing to return those feelings and it is framed very much as a romantic story.
2: Triumph of love.
0: (sighs) Yeah, Yeah, and Violet... Um, Violet supports this in a way that's totally appropriate and had it been between characters with a different dynamic, it would have been fine, but they also don't know each other at all. Um, And it's it's all a bit uncomfortable and it's essentially like one of the questions that the, the little girl asks, the little girl, she's 14, that she asks Violet early on is, what do you think about relationships with an age gap? How much do you think is too much of a gap? do you think 10 years is too much? And I don't know, partly because of the conversations we've been having in fandom about after the rain, Mm -hmm. it felt quite, uh, not on the nose exactly because there's no way they could have known about that, um, or incorporated it into their anime in that way. But it felt like justification, which doesn't sit well with me really. Um, so just be aware that that's there. Other than that, it's been fine. So I think it's their attempt to tell a a story of unconventional love because that that's the whole point of Violet's journey is she's trying to understand love. Oh, and we learn in this episode that she's around 14 as well, which changes things a little bit. Wow. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really expected that. She's she's asked, how old are you? And she says, oh, I, I, I'm an orphan, so I didn't have a birthday, but I'm told that I'm around 14, which changes things considerably. Yeah. Um, We'd, I think we'd been working on the basis that she was around 19 mm-hmm. yeah no so her, her quest to learn about love I think they're going to be exploring in different ways and different types of love and this was I think their attempt to do a, a story of fairly unconventional love and it's between royalty so it's already a bit different but yeah it's it's a bit of a, bit of a warning sign so I don't think it's going to go down that road again but it just that one episode alone you could probably skip it and be fine quite honestly if you think you'll be uncomfortable with that you could probably just skip episode five because it is vignettes now um there's an interaction that happens at the very end of the episode between violet and somebody else that's quite important but other than that probably not that necessary watch the first two minutes watch the last two minutes just skip it in the middle (laughs)
2: I do have one question about um, that because I watched the, yeah. the first episode screening at Expo and um, oh, yeah. the premise, or at least the way that the men were treating Violet seemed very super paternalistic, which was one of my super big concerns for the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they, I there were a couple comfortable scenes where she's, like, begging them to tell her if her commander's still alive and they just won't do it. And it's obvious he's not, but they just they want to save her feelings and then they keep... I, they're talking about how they're going to kind of like arrange her life so she can learn how to become a human being. And I was like, I, to myself, I was thinking, I wish they would just walk it back and let this kind of happen on its own or like see if they could support her. Um, yeah. So I wasn't sure what sort of trajectory this series would take from that kind of uh, potentially problematic launching point.
0: Yeah, and I'm again, I'm not completely caught up, so this may be contradicted by the, the most recent episode, but my understanding is that the the element of not giving her all the information she needs to function as an adult and to to own her feelings and grieve accordingly. They haven't done that yet. Mm. Um, And it doesn't seem like they're going to. I imagine they're saving, at this point, I imagine they're saving it for an end of season kind of emotional climax, which feels, I I don't like it. I would rather she spent the series grieving and learning how to grieve rather than learning what love is.
2: Yeah, so there's, like, two outcomes, like, when you put it that way. It's either she goes through all this trouble learning what love is just to learn that that guy died before episode one started, uh, or uh, he miraculously survives, which will kind of feel a little like an anticlimax, I think. Yeah. 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 That's I not mean, great. They, they still <laughs> could,
0: but there's, there's I mean, they've, they've kind of implied heavily that he's dead. They oh, yeah. Like I, heavily. I was like 100% so sure. If they, like, if, if, if he's, he's not, not
2: th- it's bad uh, yeah. based on the first episode alone. Yeah. If he's
0: not, it's it's baiting the audience, which I don't believe in. Like, if you want it to be ambiguous, there are ways they can make it ambiguous for us as well mm-hmm. as for Violet. And they've not done that. They've really heavily laid the, the grounding for he is dead and Violet just doesn't know yet. Yeah. And she doesn't know and she asks with great distress. Quite oh, yeah. Often, and that's hard.
2: Oh more um, after episode 1?
0: Yeah, yeah, she asked repeatedly. Oh, god. She oh my god. Him up a lot. She's she's upset and I but it's like her response is the reasonable one.
2: That's like the only time you see her get emotional is when she's like basically like pleading with him to tell her uh, oh, yeah. where that her yeah. like leader is. Uh, that, uh, I don't she like that.
0: continues to bring him up when she takes the the doll class. That's the name of her job title is doll. Yeah. Um, when she takes a class for that, and they say you have to write letters to somebody, and she, um, she they they try to encourage her to write a letter to the the guy that she's, I think that's right. And do you know what I'm fudging? I'm fudging details in my memory at the moment. But basically, she continues to think about him she continues to want to contact him she continues to ask about him she continues to speak as if he's alive and she doesn't get contradicted is
2: she still sending reports back
0: um i don't think so because she's with uh she's with her new commander he handed off commander whatever okay but i will say that is the extent of the paternalism okay. for, the, for the large part. So it's that first episode is really unfortunate in that sense because they do have to get her from hospital and alone and isolated into an independent situation relatively speaking. Um they try to put him in her commanding officer family's home and that doesn't work. She resists. She she wants to be active and useful. Um and then she she ends up going with the uh, other military guy to his business and so she works there she lives there she asks for the job that she has writing letters is actually a job that she asks for and that happens at the end of the the first episode yeah. and so that is a real step in the right direction and learning she, her her letters to begin with are very much reports and she has to kind of take on other people's guidance and input to learn how to inject emotion into her letters and that kind of thing so over time she is becoming a more fleshed out person with more agency but that yeah it's it strikes me every time that she brings him up and they don't say anything to her and it feels uncomfortable
2: yeah i forgot she was staying at his family's house too
0: (laughs) they well they tried to get her to stay there they tried to and she refused she
2: leaves okay good
0: she leaves because they the implication is that she wouldn't work and she said no i want to work okay basically so she, she just finds it it's a, it's a reasonable thing. She's trying to adjust from child soldier, essentially, to civilian life. Mm-hmm. And she feels like she can't do that without a job. And she, she wants to stay connected to her commanding officer in some way. And she doesn't feel like she can do that in his family's home. So it's a lot of... I mean, this is a really beautiful show. I have to say, this is a really beautiful show. I do really enjoy watching it. That is the one thing that is really uncomfortable, is that she is so distressed by her commanding officer's absence and she has clearly been responsible for some dark things as a child soldier and they haven't really gone into that yet but she's she's got some trauma and they're not really addressing it and they're not really enabling her to address it as a character so i'm sure they'll get to it they've they've laid enough groundwork that they have to i think but they haven't so far really um Though, you know, maybe, maybe episode six picks it up. I'm not sure.
2: Cool. We, all right.
0: we should move on yep. to Record of Grand Crest War, which I think all of us are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. You tell me what you think.
1: I'm a little disappointed in it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think that uh, the extremely cool female characters have been overshadowed more and more by the uh, less cool, uh, especially, I mean... Theo's fine, I guess. He's just not very interesting. Um, everyone is more interesting than Theo, basically. Um, that's true. And
0: but Saluka and Theo is—that's a dynamic I have a lot of time for.
1: I would like it better if I felt like. Silica was still getting to do we know that she's kind of the mastermind like uh, the episodes usually start with her being like hey Theo go do this thing and he's like okay but <laughs> because we spend so much because the narrative spends way more time on Theo doing the thing than on Silica coming up with the plan it ends up feeling unbalanced within the narrative itself I guess in the in the more recent episodes I felt so less Silica on screen is is a, is a mistake I think um,
0: Theo's mistake Theo's fine well also they're working just... <laughs> for that guy
2: now who's basically making he's calling all the shots now so it yeah. she's Silica's they're just on. following orders so
1: but yeah. she's following orders but she's coming up with he's like hey go take this castle town and she's like okay well let's come up with a plan to take the castle town um, yeah. and so yeah. she'll come up again she'll come up with the plan at the beginning of the episode and Theo executes the plan and it's so like I know on I know like from an from like a big perspective level that Silica's has a very active role to play in the story, but we just don't see very much of it, and that has kind of bummed me out a little bit the past
0: few episodes. Um, That's understandable. Yeah, I feel like she's she's now in a kind of educational environment. She's learning. I do and like I that. It was interesting, actually, that they they specifically mentioned her reputation, didn't they? She had gone to she'd learned a number of things, but never to the level of specialty. So she has. A, a range of kind of shallow skills and information. Act of all trades. But she yeah. doesn't... Yeah, but she, but she hasn't got a single thing that she excels at. Mm-hmm. So she's learning from these other women. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a nice dynamic. I liked I that scene. That.
1: I would have liked more of that. It was like, again, it was like three minutes. And I was like, I want more time with these characters and Silica yeah. hanging out with them. Um, so... What do you
0: think of the... Um, the guy himself, Villard, the lustful Earl... That's his nickname, isn't it? Yeah. And he um and he has he's the reason that she has her uniform, which she's apparently got used to now, because that was always gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. And and he has this twenty five year old who's really into him and he won't marry her because she's a priestess or something. And it's yeah, it it's I completely get what you're saying, Dee, because it does feel like it's shifting to a story of men, whereas it started out feeling much more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting to feel like it's going to be Villard and Lassick and uh, Theo kind of leading the charge in whatever kind of story sense they have. I don't
2: feel like he's a good guy, though. So I, I feel like at some point they have to break out from under his thumb. Uh, so yeah. I'm hoping that that, I don't know. He was super creepy in the beginning.
0: Uh, yeah, as, I thought as he
2: the would. Hashtag woman respecter. So. <sighs>
1: I really wanted them to do something with that, but then yeah. they ended up kind of just giving him sort of a sort of a sympathetic backstory, which is fine, but maybe also address the fact that he like forces people to leave his service at age 25 so they because they need to get married and have children, even if they want to stay and work
0: for him. Um, yeah. like and she specifically wants to stay and marry him and he's like, "No, I can't give you preferential treatment. Also, I hated women and my mother for a while," which is Yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, yeah, that was that whole scene was a really kind of uncomfortable. I felt
1: like they threw revelation. A, I feel like they threw a lot on us in that scene and then didn't really give yes. us any time to explore that or digest it at all. And maybe they'll come back to <laughs> exactly. it. It's still um, moving very these, fast
2: the series. I feel like it, it really slowed is. down, but I still feel like it's going at a pretty fast beat and I'm wondering yeah. where it's trying to reach so quickly. because uh, yeah. I think it's, at this point it's going to get two seasons. So, um yeah, I it think definitely it's two has four. time. Yeah.
0: I'm still enjoying the, the female characters that we do get. Like, that's one thing I do appreciate is there are new female characters regularly. Mm-hmm. And we we have had a range of them. There was there's that episode where you walk in and it's like the, the vampire king and the werewolf queen. Or oh, my or God. There. Castlevania yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, was so good. that was so weird. It felt really bizarre. It but did. again, in that episode, you've then got two more women who's like, dueling each other and that that kind of thing happens quite a lot within this series Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that but yeah it does it it does have its uh, concerns it's
2: so hard to tell where the series is going still i think is the big issue you're like what is the series about yet Um, yeah
0: exactly and it feels in a way it feels like very short arcs so you have an arc that lasts an episode or two episodes and then it moves on to something else and that's it's an odd way to stitch a story together. Yeah, it it does feel quite stitched together at times. And
1: a lot of the time that'll happen with uh, light novel adaptations um just because yeah. the way a light novel is written is every light novel is kind of supposed to be its own uh like story. standalone type story and then they which right. which are then you know kind of strung together in this uh in this like broader arc format um and i think that Sometimes that lends itself to a, a pretty organic, like, narrative, like, like single narrative, and sometimes not as much. And I get the sense that the way this one was written was probably like, and now here's this pitched battle, and now here's this conquest, and so trying to pull those all together into one story is um, probably a bit of a challenge.
2: Yeah, well, that makes sense. It's hard not to think that it's got some sort of objective with the director of the series so
0: refresh my memory it's
2: uh, Mamoru uh, I hope I pronounce it correctly uh, Hatakiyama yeah yeah, yeah. Hataka- uh, the director Hatakeyama. of Rakugo
1: yeah he did Rakugo he's oh. done he's he's very good The this yeah. if nothing else this show has, has proven to me that we should definitely give him like action series because the action sequences are excellent they're yeah. i mean they're they're well animated and that's not him necessarily but um they're very well directed there's a lot of um this isn't feminist relevant so we we might want to cut this out of the actual <laughs> podcast but um there's very much a focus on um kind of the claustrophobic chaotic aspect of fights like there's there's an actual sense of like weight to the battles yes. and i really appreciate that
0: i found the um the, the one where milza goes in and just kills everybody except that one guy and he's it it felt dangerous Mm -hmm. and it felt creepy and it felt intimidating and i thought that was that was nicely done for sure but then there was that really awkward dance between villard and margaret where it was oh my god it was supposed to be really sexy (laughs) and it was supposed to come across as kind of a metaphor for for them having sex yeah well, not a metaphor, quite, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It was supposed to come across like this is the equivalent. They're really into each yeah. other. And it was slightly awkward and cringy. It was. So it, it was, yeah. It was,
2: Her spinning in that circle around him that. just was weird.
0: <laughs> There's one moment where she's just like breathing really deeply for no apparent reason while well, he's totally fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was a weird it was.
2: Scene.
0: It was a little bit cringy. Um, so maybe his action, like, when there's like fighting involved is a bit more solid
1: (laughs) i find everything with velar very strange because again i i don't know they set him up to they set him up in the first couple episodes to seem really like menacing and now it feels like they're kind of trying to do an about face and make you kind of sympathize with him but i super don't because he's still doing that like what was that hashtag women respecter peter yeah um
2: no one respects women more than I do.
1: <laughs> that that put them yeah. on a pedestal thing, and like you can kind of get it with again if if it's something they're gonna keep coming back to and maybe addressing and challenging, um, then okay, yeah, give him a give him a kind of a sympathetic backstory and then force him to sort of deal with those prejudices and realize that they're you know shitty. Um, and I just don't know if it's going to do that or not. Like that episode was very baffling to me. I didn't really expect him to him to turn into that, to to turn into a character
0: we're supposed to sympathize with. I think. Yeah. It did. It did feel like an info dump to evoke sympathy rather than building the groundwork for a character development. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a lot out of it except, oh, you you have issues with women. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was my big takeaway from the scene. And he says he doesn't. <laughs> how convincing is that yeah. do we think yeah,
1: he super does though his his actions speak yeah. louder
0: than his words so exactly but I am enjoying it overall I'm I, I get a lot out of each episode I do genuinely I'm into the, sh- the show but I don't know how feminist a recommendation I would give it I guess yeah I don't feel like it's I a yellow flag feels like, necessarily no but but it still feels like it has potential that it's not exploring yeah yeah, I would agree with that. And six episodes in, I'd kind of hoped that it would it would build on well, the promise that we saw in episode one. Yeah, yeah. me too. Okay, we, speaking of which, we should move on to feminist themes. Sure. Uh, we've got three shows in this category. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Samrio Boys, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. caught up with it yesterday. I like it. I, on, I keep thinking yeah. I'm
1: not – I keep thinking, oh, I, I think I'll – I'll stop watching. Um, but then it, yeah. it pulls me in again. Um, it's, a, it's a very good toy commercial. Peter, are you watching this one?
2: I am not.
0: You should.
2: I mean, yeah, I, it's one of the ones I'm actually interested in checking out. It's just uh, I think I'm up to 20 series that I'm following concurrently. and uh,
0: I don't need to hear your excuses. Peter. <laughs> just, just watch the just show. Watch I'm Samuel doing Boys. my best. <laughs> just watch Samurai Boys. Come on. It's, yeah, I mean, it, we talked about in the first episode, uh, sorry, on, in the premiere review and in the three episode check-in about how it's really trying to kind of dismantle some toxic masculinity elements. And I think it's doing a good job of that. And it's exploring from different angles the problems that people have in general with the idea of men liking typically feminine things. And I, I after the first arc with the main character, well, he's not really a main character anymore. He's He's kind of one of an ensemble now but the first arc with Kota who's kind of our every boy mm-hmm. character I really didn't know where they were going to go with this and now six episodes in I really like where they're going with it which is they are approaching it from different angles through different viewpoints having people kind of be faced with their prejudices and try to come to terms with them. The last two episodes were very BL. They were very like it was a romance story. Yeah, between
1: it's uh, I'm not I'm not great at picking up on subtext in most in most <laughs> didn't media. Need to be. Um, <laughs> but but boy howdy, um, the subtext between Rio he and the really president, didn't need to be. Uh, state hero yeah. was
0: not subtle. So no, not at all, and it in a really nice way actually because it kind of felt like they weren't trying to hide it. So in this episode, they like the the idea of liking Sanrio. Basically, they're talking about liking boys. That is absolutely the story they're telling here. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure there are other readings of yeah. it, but this is. Well, it felt like this is what they were trying to say. It is framed like a romance. It is framed like BL specifically. Mm-hmm. The the character types you've got in here are character types who show up in relationships in BL a lot. You're talking specifically about the last two episodes. The last two yeah. episodes. The ones before that, I think you can read it that way, and it seems like there are moments when they set it up to kind of tease you a bit mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like that's the story they're telling whereas the last two episodes it absolutely felt like that was the story they were telling yeah, okay, yeah I would agree with that and it's it's a good story it's it's a kid who is clearly closeted and has internalised homophobia and he really struggles with his own feelings and about being, he, being perceived as feminine, being perceived as cute, he hates it, he rejects it he wants to be more manly and he is resentful and lashes out against those who seem more comfortable with their identities. However, Vry raised a really good point that in our group chat that I think we should talk about, which is that this is a trope and actually it's not yet balanced out in any way. So we have um, the the character Yu, his sister is, she's, as far as we know, she's a cis straight woman and she really resents her brother's interest in Sandio. She really hates that he likes cute things. She finds it really embarrassing. And so she's cruel to him as a result. And they kind of resolve their differences and reestablish their affection for each other, but she's still struggling with it. And that's that's a perfectly decent story to tell and it's a f- perfectly valid viewpoint to show. But we don't have the equivalent of that in a male character mm-hmm. yet. So everyone who seems to hate Sandio actually secretly loves it and just is coming to terms with that yeah or or like or like
1: Kota's two friends who don't really get it but they're they're fine like they're pretty accepting about the fact that he's into it you know
0: yes so we haven't yet had anyone who objects to it because so many people in society do and they haven't really shown that representation yet of somebody who doesn't like it and has to deal with the fact that that is just a prejudice and it's not right
1: i mean now that i'm thinking about it in the first episode the whole reason Kota rejects uh uh his 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 pupper pom pom purin is because of those boys who are giving him shit um yes. so we've we've seen it but we haven't seen it in the mod in the current day and i think that was a good call in the first episode to make it be the boys teasing him because um you know i think that it kind of points out that a lot of those pressures are placed on boys by other boys like that's yeah. you know what i mean um
0: and at a very young age as yeah well. and at a very young we age and that's that good very young. and
1: so yeah i think i think that if they're able to bring that back over the course of the second half of the series, um, as, uh, it seems like these guys are probably going to do something for the school festival that will like very much, um, make their love <laughs> of Sanrio like loud and clear. Um, really public. Yeah. yeah. And so if, and so I'm hoping that over the course of that arc, we'll, we'll have us, we'll have situations where they're, where they meet some, these, maybe some asshole boys, their own age, who they kind of have to deal with that. Um, cause like, like Rye was saying in our, uh, private talk that would help balance that out a lot too i think so
0: absolutely and it's really important too like i didn't i didn't really think about it until they pointed it out and then and then once they they explain what they meant i i completely agree i'm 100 percent on board i think that it is important to tell the story of the the young closeted boy and i do think that there will be this is aimed at a fairly young target audience and i do think that there will be queer kids watching this who see the themselves and their responses in that and who can gain something positive from it and i think that's a really important message to send um but i also think this first six episodes has been building up their network they need each other for support and we're finally at a point when actually the whole team is assembled so that didn't happen until this episode this most recent episode so from here is kind of the time when you'd expect them to be challenged as a group um as well as individually I'm sure but now is really a good time for that kind of challenge because it won't be able to hurt them as much and this is at the end of the day a a toy commercial for younger people so we don't want them to we don't want to kind of see them experiencing trauma but we do want to see them kind of being having their having their their tastes questioned and then them challenging that and hopefully getting to a, a new Normal, where everybody's on board with it, which I think, as you said, is what we're getting with the school festival. Yeah. Which, by the way, was the opening scene and really confused me <laughs> when I first watched. The flash it. forward. That first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really threw me. I was like, "This is not what I was expecting from this show." But it's turned into a really. I, I really enjoy watching it as well. I think it's important to say, like, we're talking a lot about how meaningful it is, but I actually enjoy watching it. It's fun. Yeah, it
1: is. It's fun. It's got a pretty good sense of humor. Um, it's got. I mean, it's it's well written. It's every you know. It has various different narrative arcs that it puts you through and you kind of get to feel for the characters and I think they all have their um their good points and their flaws and yeah so I'm enjoying it. The characters are
0: written really consistently Mm -hmm. as well it's not like as soon as they like Sandio like whoever they were before then or as soon as they can acknowledge they like Sandio whoever they were before is completely dropped they just they I think like Kota for example they go back to him uh, having his love of Sanyo questioned, then the first thing he does is withdraw into himself exactly as he did before. Yeah. And it takes, he has to kind of learn to be more comfortable with it. They don't just drop things. And you has these kind of anger issues almost. He has a temper. Out a yeah. He has a temper he... and they don't sugarcoat that. No. Well, and he's, it's very much,
1: he doesn't particularly care if people talk crap about him, but if they start talking crap about his friends, then he kind of goes off. Um, yes. Because that was, that was kind of what got him, what got him off with, with his sister and then with Rio as well so yeah, exactly um, and it's that
0: is consistent yeah and that it's is who he
1: continued to happen he's and he's continuing up. to try to work through it and yeah I think it does a, yeah. a good job of that so it's not like everyone's problems are magically solved by no. uh, finding loving Sanrio yeah by loving yeah. Sanrio and admitting that you love Sanrio so
0: because actually that's a story they could have told and oh, they're choosing not yeah. to, which I do appreciate they are actually this story is cumulative and it is going somewhere and the the lo- more it goes on and the more they build up their own support network as young men with unconventional tastes that are kind of challenging these societal norms like that it feels really satisfying to watch them grow in their kind of strength of will and kind of comfort with their own preferences like it's it's a nice story to see It is. I like and it. And it was completely unnecessary for this toy advert. <laughs> Okay, next one, Dame Prix Anime Caravan. Dee, you're watching this. Oh, of course I'm watching Dame Prix. <laughs> I yeah.
1: Dame Pri probably is my favorite show of the season just because it was made for me. Um Yes, it was. <laughs> it's continued my I guess my one my one sort of mild disappointment um going forward, it's pretty much the same show it was in the first three episodes. So if you liked it early on, you'll you'll continue to have fun with it. Um, my... <laughs> My only kind of mild disappointment is I thought they would go they were going to maybe delve a little more um, seriously, I guess into the boys and their arcs and like their kind of character development, and they've continued to be pretty much just goofballs um but. That having been said, they're very entertaining goofballs. The series has done a good job of finding uh, different dynamics. So, like, they'll smash two different characters together for an episode and see what they're like when they interact with each other. Um, and so that gives you like different aspects of their personalities. Um, the most recent one paired Narek and Mayer together, which was the odd couple romance. I never knew I wanted until I saw it. <laughs> um, Ani's still I need to see this. Ani's still fantastic. She's she's a she's a great uh, character. There's an episode which I don't think you've seen this one yet, Amelia. Um, I think no, it was no, I think no. it was episode four. They all the guys come, all the princes and they're like vassals come visit her country. Um, and they're very hard to deal with. And, um, Nara keeps kind of talking crap about like what a backwater country it is. And, uh, Ani is, she's still very like polite and diplomatic, but she does not put up with it. And I really appreciate that about her. Um, there's one part where they're causing a scene. They're about to have an international incident at the marketplace and, uh, she kind of gets between them and tells them to knock it off. And, uh, Nara yells like, you can't tell me what to do. And she's like, yes, I can. You're in my country. Um, (laughs) and I was like, yes, thank you, Ani. So she's, she's still like, she's very good. Um, she's, and she's, she gets to be goofy too. Like she's not just like the perpetual straight man. Um, in the most recent episode, she got stuck in a room with just Chrome who is very, uh, he's very unhappy at that point in the story for, for lots of different reasons, but he's like the, like the tension in the room is, is in, is insane. And she's trying to get, she's trying to figure out how to diffuse it. And she looks over and her little animal companion, Grimaru has just decided to pretend to be asleep. And she's like, I'll do that too. (laughs) So she just pretends to be asleep, like in the middle of their conversation. And it's very goofy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's yeah. So it's, It's very much playing in that kind of Auron High mode of taking the uh, sort of a Tome Vien genre and then uh, very lovingly poking fun at it. Um, And I'm having a really good time with it. So uh, as far as feminist themes, I mean, we put it in feminist themes because we did have kind of a main female character in a position of authority. And I think it's done a pretty good job of... um, Making sure that Annie has things to do and never gets like completely, you know, uh, run roughshod over by these idiots um, that she has to deal with. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would call it actively feminist, but it's very feminist-friendly, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So
0: that's a good enough recommendation. And I saw the first three episodes, and I loved it. Yeah, and it is just—it was hilarious. So I'm looking forward to watching more of it. We have one more show in our list, and I think. This is the big Anifem recommendation of the moment. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's yep. a place further than the universe. We're all watching this, right? Yeah. Yes. I think all caught up. I think almost yep. the entire staff is watching a place further than the universe. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. It's so good. Um, Peter, you're watching that one as well, right? Absolutely. Are you totally caught up?
2: I'm completely caught up. Yes. I watch it the day it comes out. Every day.
0: <laughs> really. Yep.
2: Well, call it, it's in the no. middle of the week, so it makes it easier. Uh, but it's also just <laughs> really good, and I want to see what happens next. So it's a really good show. I'm not even quite sure what to say about it. It's like...
0: It's just that good. Yeah. Everything about it is good. Yeah. <laughs> There's
2: pretty much been no problematic elements. I, I really like all the character writing. I You get a very distinct sense that they actually, like, haven't even determined, like, the differences with the characters in regards to like how they act or i mean because characters always like there's there's like archetypes right Uh, behavioral archetypes you can use to kind of write characters but they've gone a level deeper than that to determine how each of them like resolves conflict in different ways um in both like funny ways and in, in dramatic ways like they have um shirase's uh how she's awkward unless she feels like someone's uh, judging her, and in which case she kind of goes into combat mode and that yeah. doesn't happen anymore, which uh, the other characters have sort of used against her uh, at certain points to get her to be proactive. Yes. Um, and then, of course, her big uh, argument with um, oh, I forgot her name.
0: Hinata. Hinata.
2: The Hinata, yeah, yeah. In the, in the airport. So I just think that all the characters seem really real it's had some excellent moments uh like one of my favorite moments uh I think was episode three where they bring on uh Shiraishi uh her whole the Mm -hmm. the I think one of the most dramatic moments in the entire series so far was when she got that text notification that the other two people had left the group uh which I thought was some super elegant writing and like managed Mm -hmm, to make something very mundane like extremely impactful so I like the writing is really excellent uh, God, they haven't even started going to Antarctica yet. I think they're probably going to get on the boat the next episode. So it did a lot of building up, and there's, like, a lot of historical concept, uh, context with uh, his mother. Um, and I'm glad they're, like, visiting the old, uh, the last people who went to to kind of build some context. I have no idea where they're going with it yet um, because, I mean, I doubt she's going to find her mom alive and well in Antarctica or something like that. Um, but yeah. whatever, like, sort of connection to her mother she's chasing, I'm, I'm really curious as to where they plan to end up with that event, because that, I feel it's, like that's going to be super important for the story.
0: It's going to be devastating Yeah, is what it, is. it is, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just prepared <laughs> yeah. to, I, I cry at most of these episodes, yeah. I think, in some way. The writing, I, I would say it's the best writing of the season, I think it's the only one that I would describe as a pure uh, character drama. I think that they could talk, they could tell a story with these writers and these characters without going to Antarctica, and it would still be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So that's I think it's incorrect Maybe I'm overstating it, but I I think that it's truly accomplished work, and we see a lot of praise in anime fandom for the animation side of things a lot, but actually this, it's it's a pretty series, but the real draw for me is the fact that everything is so grounded in character, it's so driven by character, everything makes sense. Nobody does things unmotivated. And it takes the opportunity to explore these characters individually and in their kind of pair dynamics and in their dynamic as a group of four and inter- interacting with the adults and it just explores it from every angle. And it's so satisfying to watch. It is devastating in, in small doses. There are moments that are absolutely heartbreaking and say coming to terms with whatever's happened to her mother. And like you say, this connection that she's chasing, once she reaches that point, it is going to really hurt. But it's gonna be so well written and it's going to be Earned. absolutely grounded in who she is and the journey she's gone through. It's not going to be a cheap ploy to make you cry so i have full confidence in how they're going to handle what is going to be an upsetting story
1: well i mean i think it will be upsetting but i have a feeling it will ultimately be um Bittersweet. inspiring and upbeat because i like i mean we're talking about how every episode um there's a moment that like maybe brings tears to your eyes and that's definitely been the case for me but there's also been yes. at least one moment every episode where i've laughed out loud Um, the, the humor, the, the optimism, the sense of, the sense of fun in the story is also, um, it's, it's doing everything really well and it's balancing, um, those emotional beats with those, with those moments of, of teenagers being goofy, um, in a really, really wonderful way that I think makes, I think, I think I have, I tend to get a little bit exhausted sometimes with stories that are pure drama. Um, I think those, those light moments, um, Help those help those uh, more serious beats land, and I think that the yeah. way a place further kind of shifts between the two modes um, is very artful and brilliant. And um, you know, definitely, I mean, credit the writing, but a lot of the story is told through the visuals and the character animation, and it's it's a it's a complete yeah. production.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I don't want to undersell the elements you're talking about. When I say drama, I do, I do just mean exactly what I said is that they could tell this this story with these characters without any big circumstances around them and I think it would still be an amazing show because I think that's well, that's where everything's rooted is in the fact that they've got these very complete humans that they're telling stories about yeah so that's that's what I mean by that I don't mean drama necessarily in terms of seriousness um even the the kind of comedic moments that they have is purely out of the fact that they've written such fully fleshed out characters mm-hmm. if that makes sense oh absolutely so, it's yeah and i i I think you're absolutely right like i don't want to underplay either the part that the visuals are playing in it They it contributes both to the funny moments and also to the kind of underlying sadness of some moments and the balance that it achieves is amazing it is almost all of the episode is like entertaining and light and and fun and then it just hits you with something that it does bring tears to your eyes but it's been so worked up to it it earns its it's, moments absolutely it earns those moments completely. And I just enjoy every episode. Oh, and I just wanna give a shout out to the fact that we see so many professional women in active roles as explorers and scientists, and it's that's really gratifying and something we don't see a whole lot. Um, and they, they work with men, so it's not just like an all-female world or anything. Yeah. We, we're in this situation now where they're just surrounded by accomplished professional women that they can look up to and work with. And that's so great to see. Yeah, it's kind
2: of surprising they're walking in basically the footsteps of, uh, of the, the previous expedition with Shiraisei's mother, uh, which I, I didn't really expect uh, early on. It, it seemed like what actually wanted to do was very unusual. Um, but then you kind of learn that her mom also did it basically right out of high school with a bunch of friends um, who kind of, uh, some of them I think they met like later on, through academic like you know, like research teams and stuff like that. Um, but like the the journey is very similar. I, I kind of think it's interesting that they're like the second ones to be doing this almost.
0: And it's it's representation of teenage girls. I think is second to none. It's the only one I've seen for a while where I see the these teenagers interacting, and it resonates. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, yep, yeah, this this could easily have been me and my friends at various points. Yeah. So that's something I hugely appreciate doesn't happen too often in anime. So when it does, I want to make the most of it. And I think I'm gonna be watching every episode as soon as I can.
2: Also a very accurate portrayal of what it's like to eat durian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that so? Oh, it, I've avoided oh, it's it. like it's like
2: gasoline with sugar in it is what it <laughs> tastes like. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Oh. That's that's delightful. Yeah
2: when she brought up the durian okay. ice cream I went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, final final notes. Is there anything else that either of you is watching that you would recommend that isn't on our premiere digest list? Anything you just want to give a shout out to? Classical Lloyd.
1: Always when, on, when am I not giving a shout out to Classical Lloyd? I won't I won't I won't get into <laughs> I won't get into sequels and carryovers too much with this one because we usually do that with our end of season anyway. Um Classical is still great. This season has more of a storyline, um, and it keeps kind of popping back to it. All the characters are wonderful. Uh it's it's a delight, and I'm still so so happy it exists. Also, there's a three minute short called Michigan Echo that I would uh highly recommend our um listeners check out. It is about just squishy cats being cute for three minutes every week, and it's really very fun and clever. Sounds good.
0: Uh Pizza, anything you
2: wanna shout out? To uh always March comes in like a lion because it's, like, one of the best anime of probably the past 10 years. Uh, it's amazing. They concluded the the big plot that, like, I found was really, I don't know, the super devastating plot in the second season. Now they're moving in. I was, I was like, wondering what how they could top that, but they're doing some interesting things now. Of course, uh, it's because of the Olympics, they can't. I think they're taking a month break. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, they're coming back in in March. Uh, but <laughs> like enough, a lion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're just going to finish out the season then with like however many more episodes like two at that point I guess um, but maybe they'll at least be super high production I'm not sure uh, it's really good though everybody should watch it it's like an amazing story Chico Mino is a genius so
0: great I'm not watching anything so I have nothing to nothing add to that. Else. I just thought I'd throw that grenade at both of you nothing that's recent nothing that's currently airing I I find it hard enough to keep up with the things that we have on the list Um, but honestly this season it feels like there's a lot of choice there's a lot of stuff I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff I'm getting a lot out of I enjoy analysing anime and there's plenty of food for that in this, this season's selection I think it's a strong season yep and
1: surprisingly I'm so very happy with i really wasn't expecting much. i really so. wasn't expecting much out of the season i don't think there were a lot of like hyped shows necessarily that i was excited no. for and then as we started watching it it was like this is pleasant oh this is pleasant too hey i like this one as well so that's been great
2: <laughs> it's a good uh really good. aperitif to the shonen uh, apocalypse that's happening next season as well
0: <sighs> yes you know. yeah more on that in three months yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a good season. I think we're going to come back to it in our end of season recommendations. That's our next touch point, I think. Um, So yeah, if you are watching anything on this list and have opinions about it that agree with us or disagree with us, we're quite happy to accept criticism on this, then do get in touch. You can find our work at www.animefeminist.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Anime Feminist. You can find us on Facebook, at facebook.com slash animefem. You can find us on Tumblr, .tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash animefeminist, which is how we pay everyone who contributes to Anime Feminist as a writer, as an editor, as an administrator. We pay everyone. We're not quite breaking even. Um, We haven't quite got enough in our Patreon for that. So if you can spare a dollar a month, it really does add up. So please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist. Send us a dollar a month to continue our work. Or if you send us $5 a month, you'll get access to the Anime Feminist Discord, where we talk about all these kinds of things as the shows are going out. So join us there, $5 a month. And thank you very much to Dee and Peter for joining me today. And we will see you in another six weeks, I think, for our end of season run.